Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. And a good morning to everybody out there in West Georgia and welcome to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I am your host Richard Holdridge on this Monday morning. I hope that everybody had a great weekend. We had a crazy weekend of college football, NFL and baseball playoffs. We got a great show. Going to talk about Alabama losing a game for the first time in two years and the impact it has on a loss for Nick Saban. As Nick Saban's assistant finally beats him. He was 24-0 coming into this contest against Texas A&M. Georgia gets an impressive win on the road against Auburn and they are ranked number one for the first time since 1982 during the season. And the Atlanta Falcons get a big victory over the New York Jets. They are able to hold on for the 27-20 victory in London. I'm going to start this show off by talking about Nick Saban. And anytime he loses, which anytime he loses a game at Alabama, it's a big deal. Because it rarely happens. He's been the coach since 2007. And every other year, Alabama wins the national championship. And they have only finished with three losses one time in the last 12 years that Nick Saban was the coach. That was in 2010 where they lost three games. They went undefeated last year. The last time they lost was November 2019 when they lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl in Auburn. That season they had two losses because they also lost to Joe Burrow and they missed out on the college football playoff for the first time in the college football playoff era. I really don't take pleasure in Alabama losing because when they play a bad game and they made a lot of mistakes in this game against Texas A&M. A&M pulls off the huge upset. They were 18-point underdogs. They beat Alabama in College Station 41-38 on a last-second field goal. Alabama took the lead in this game. Texas A&M had a 31-17 lead. Alabama made a lot of mistakes, a lot of turnovers. Their defense gave up a lot of yards and a lot of points. Their special teams weren't all that great. So when Alabama plays a terrible game and they still almost win the game, that tells you how great Alabama still is. They only dropped to number five in the rankings. And Alabama is still the class of college football and the greatest dynasty in college football history. So when Nick Saban loses a game, I just like hearing from the Alabama fans. One of my pleasures is listening to the Paul Feinbaum show the day after an Alabama loss. It's captivating radio. I got into a confrontation last week between some Alabama fans who said that I didn't know what I was talking about by stating stating that I felt that Georgia was the best team in college football. Well, this loss proved that Georgia is the best team in college football right now. That doesn't mean Alabama can't run the table, beat Georgia in the SEC championship, and get into the college football playoff and win a national championship. Alabama has backdoored three national championships out of their six. 2011, they lost to LSU, and then they beat LSU in the BCS championship to win their national championship. 2012, they lose to Johnny Manziel in Texas A&M. 
but they were able to beat Georgia in the SEC championship and beat Notre Dame in the national championship. That was another backdoor national championship. You could thank Kansas State and Oregon for not holding up their end of the bargain. 2015, they lose to Ole Miss, and they're able to get into the college football playoff. This is actually the first time that Alabama had a backdoor national championship, and it was a college football playoff. They're able to get into the college football playoff and win the national championship by beating Clemson. So Alabama's not done. Bryce Young looks really good, though. They do have a good young quarterback. He's poised. He had some mistakes, but he was able to get Alabama in position to win the game. They took a 38-31 to lead, and then when Texas A&M tied it up, Texas A&M got the ball back by putting a stout defense and pressuring Bryce Young. That was the first time that he was pressured in his young career. So Alabama drops to number five. They will take on Mississippi State next week. A scenario that I think is possible is Alabama could lose to Auburn at Auburn because Auburn is a good football team. They put up over 300 yards of offense against the historic Georgia defense, but Georgia does come out on top in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. They defeat Auburn 34-10. A lot of mistakes in this game by Auburn. A lot of drop passes by some of the wide receivers. Bo Nix looked incredible on that first drive. That is the formula if you want to beat Georgia, is to get a quarterback to move around the pocket and make plays because wide receivers will eventually get separation. And Bo Nix did a great job. Auburn should not feel disappointed about this loss because Georgia is clearly the best team in college football. And even though Auburn dropped out of the rankings, I still think Auburn is a good team that could play spoiler and possibly beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, which would take Alabama out of consideration for the college football playoff. Here's another scenario. Auburn only has one loss, and Alabama has one loss in the SEC. If Auburn wins out up to the Iron Bowl, that game could be for the SEC West title, and Auburn could get another shot against Georgia or Kentucky. It just depends. Because next week, Georgia... Number one in the country will take on Kentucky, ranked number 11 in the country. And yes, college game day is going to be there once again. That is going to be the biggest Georgia-Kentucky game ever that I could ever remember because Kentucky is 6-0 for the first time since 1956. Incredible what Kentucky did against LSU, and they are on a roll. They did have the latest rankings, and no surprise, Georgia is the unanimous number one team in college football. This is the first time since 1982 that Georgia is a consensus number one during the regular season. If y'all remember, 2008, they were a preseason number one. Remember, they're going into the season with high expectations. They had Matthew Stafford. They had no Sean Moreno. They just got over a big drubbing of Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl. And they had two losses that year, and it was controversial because LSU catapulted themselves into the BCS standings, and and Georgia probably should have got in, but they were not an SEC championship. Tennessee won the tiebreaker that year. But this is the first time that Georgia's ranked number one since 1982, the Herschel Walker years, and Georgia cannot let up. I'm looking at their schedule, and there's not really a game that worries me until the SEC championship. The only game that I feel Georgia is going to have trouble is against Alabama because of the history 
and the in-game scenarios might favor Alabama better. But Georgia is going to win out all the way up until the SEC championship. They're going to be a double-digit favorite in just about every game. Now, there are some teams that could give Georgia a scare at first, but the Georgia defense has so much depth that I don't think an offense can sustain itself. There's not a high-powered offense yet. I think Auburn is the best team that they have played so far because Bo Nix is a special quarterback. But next week against Kentucky, I think Georgia should have no problem. And then after that, the Florida game. I'm not 100% sold on Emory Jones, and I think that Georgia's defense can shut down Florida to the point where I still think it's going to be a close game, but Georgia's going to pull that one out. At Tennessee and Knoxville, I know hardcore Tennessee fans are a believer in Josh Heupel, and their offense looks great now with Hendon Hooker. I think that Tennessee could pull some tricks out of their bag and score some touchdowns against Georgia, but Georgia is going to have that game controlled their offensive line their three-headed running back Kendall Milton Zamir White and James Cook and they just throw out anybody out there McConkie's doing a great job Brock Bowers he could be an all-american tight end as a freshman and it doesn't matter if it's JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett at the quarterback position Stetson Bennett can actually give Georgia the option to run I think that Stetson Bennett might help Georgia move the ball a little bit better. JT Daniels may be the NFL-ready quarterback, but I've seen JT Daniels throw interceptions. If JT Daniels does not have his wide receivers on the same page as him, it could be a long day. So the new college football rankings came out, and of course, Georgia is the unanimous number one with 62 first-place votes. Let's talk about the gap between number one and number two. Iowa is now the number two ranked team in the country after an impressive 20-17 victory over Penn State. This was a marquee matchup, the number three team in the country taking on the number four team in the country. Penn State had a 17-3 lead. However, their quarterback, Clifford, exits the game, which allowed the Hawkeyes to get back into the game and win. I'm not going to take anything away from Iowa. They are a good football team, but they have a very easy schedule, and they could easily get beat by Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. The number third ranked team in the country is the Cincinnati Bearcats, and yes, there is a chance they they could get into the college football playoff. After dismantling Temple Friday night 52-3, I'm looking at Cincinnati's schedule. They play Central Florida and Gus Malzahn next week. But other than that, SMU, but that's at home. They got a very easy schedule and they can go undefeated. Would an undefeated Cincinnati get into the college football playoff over a one-loss Ohio State? I clearly think if you're coming from a Power 5 conference and you're undefeated, you're going to jump Cincinnati. The next team in the college football rankings is Oklahoma and I'm not impressed with Oklahoma at all. Head coach Lincoln Riley had to bench the Heisman favorite in the beginning of the season, Spencer Rattler, for their five-star talented freshman Caleb Williams. But Texas, what are you doing? Texas had a 28-7 lead in this game, and Texas blew it. They blew it. It was the largest comeback in the Red River rivalry, and Oklahoma's undefeated, but they haven't really blown away anybody. I'm not impressed with what Oklahoma's doing, and if Oklahoma goes undefeated, they're going to get into the college football playoff, which they don't do anything with. When they get into the college football playoff, looking at their schedule, they have an easy schedule all the way up until Oklahoma State. They're going to prepare for that game, and Lincoln Riley is going to develop 
I don't know if Caleb Williams is going to take over as a starter for Spencer Rattler, but Oklahoma is just going through this season with smoke and mirrors, barely getting by beating teams. Five of their six wins have been one possession games. A 16-13 win over West Virginia, unranked. 37-31 over Kansas State. 23-16 over Nebraska. 40-35 against Tulane. Oklahoma is not impressing the voters, and that is why Cincinnati is ranked higher. So Alabama falls in the rankings. They're 5-1. They're ranked 5th. They're the highest ranked one-loss team, followed by Ohio State. A very interesting scenario for Ohio State is they can run the table, win the Big Ten, and get into the college football playoff. They are playing lights out right now with the drubbing over Maryland, 66-17. to C.J. Stroud is playing a lot better than he did the first couple of games, and Chris Olave is starting to become one of the best wide receivers in college football. Yes, Ohio State's going to be tested, but their resume speaks for itself. They run the table, they're in the college football playoff. They gotta play Penn State. They got to play Michigan State, and they got to play Michigan. I know it's in Ann Arbor, but Ohio State has dominated Michigan the last 20 years. Michigan has only won one time. And yes, Brady Hoke was the coach. The Michigan Wolverines, Jim Harbaugh was brought in to beat Ohio State. I know Michigan is having a good season, and right now they're ranked 8th. You got a one-loss Penn State team that's above them. Michigan is 6-0. If they win out, they're into the college football playoff as well. Oregon has a small chance to get into the college football playoff. They are 4-1 after losing to Stanford. That is not impressive. But what Oregon needs to do is have Ohio State win out. So Oregon looks... That win over Ohio State is a more quality win. You got a lot of undefeated teams just outside the top 10. Michigan State, 6-0. Kentucky is 6-0. Oklahoma State is 5-0. You got Coastal Carolina, 6-0. And Wake Forest is also 6-0. And you also have SMU, 6-0, ranked 23rd. And then San Diego State, ranked 5-0. And they're ranked 24th. So looking at the local teams in college football, Georgia Tech was able to get a big win on the road against Duke, 31-27. I'm impressed with all the college football teams in the state of Georgia. They all won. That's just unheard of. You got Georgia State beating Louisiana Monroe. I take that back. Troy beat Georgia Southern 27 to 24. Never mind. I'm pretty impressed with all the college football teams in the state of Georgia, with the exception of Georgia Southern. But you also have Kennesaw State beating Hampton 34 to 15. Mercer beat Western Carolina on the road 34 to 24. Wrapping up all the other scores in the state of Georgia in NCAA Division II, West Alabama all over shorter 44 to 7. Albany State wins a big contest over Edward Walters 30 to nothing and they are 5 and 1. Don't forget in a couple of weeks they will take on Fort Valley State in the Fountain City Classic at AJ McClung in Columbus. The biggest college football game in the city of Columbus. You don't want to miss it. You got West Georgia. They're back on track. They got a big, impressive road victory over Mississippi College, 40 to 21. And West Georgia is now 5 and 1 on the season. Savannah State beats Erskine 39 to 6. I tell you, Savannah State going back to NCAA Division II might have been a good move for them because they were not getting it done at the FCS level. Valdosta State continues rolling 55 to nothing over Delta State. We do have some good college football teams in the state of Georgia. 
that play at the Division II and Division III level. Fort Valley State gets the victory over Central State 35-14, and they're now 4-2 on the season. Now moving over to NCAA Division III, where LaGrange College loses to Methodist 34-17. And over in the NAIA, Point University played a contest against Faulkner, which is one of the top teams in the NAIA. However, they lost that contest. So Point University, giving them some love. I, I actually went out to their their high school. I went out to their football stadium over there in Valley, Alabama. That's where Valley High School plays high school football on Friday nights. And so Point University uses that stadium. It's a nice stadium, actually. All right, those are my college football Moving on to the National Football League, the Atlanta Falcons get the victory 27-20 across the pond against the New York Jets, but the story was they were up 17 to nothing, and like always, they allowed the Jets to get back into the game. Starting to get nervous, Falcons fans, when the Jets scored the touchdown and it was 20 to 17. The Atlanta Falcons were able to answer the bell and Matt Ryan drove down to the field and scored a touchdown to make it 27 to 17. The Jets kicked a late field goal to make it a close game, but I'm impressed with what Matt Ryan has done without his top two wide receivers. And it was a coming out party for tight end Kyle Pitts. Nine receptions for 119 yards with a touchdown. And Matt Ryan was 33 of 45 with 342 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. He had a quarterback rating of 109. You still think Matt Ryan's the problem? I think that Matt Ryan is still a pretty good quarterback. When he has time to throw the ball... He's still a good quarterback, and he is not the problem. Atlanta has got to find somebody to blame. I don't know who it is. It could be the defense, but I'm not sure. But Matt Ryan, when he's able to throw the football, he is able to get the job done. And the Falcons will go have a the Falcons will have the bye, and then they will take on the Miami Dolphins in two weeks. The Falcons are two and three. This is a winnable game because I don't know if two is going to play or Jacoby Brissett. The Falcons need to win this game. If they want to salvage their season and get back into the playoff picture, they have to win this game. Looking at the other scores in the National Football League, oh boy, I saw this game on the NFL Red Zone. The Packers beating the Bengals in overtime 25-22. Mason Crosby misses three field goals and redeemed himself by kicking the game winner. The Bengals kicker wasn't all that great either. He missed two field goals. He had five missed field goals in the last part of the game, the Bengals had a chance to win this game, and they lose, and the Packers are now 4-1. and one. The Lions continue to shoot themselves in the foot after taking the lead over the Vikings 17-16. Kirk Cousins marches down the field to kick the game-winning field goal for the Vikings, and the Lions are 0-5. They had two winnable games where they gave it up in the last couple of seconds. Vikings are now 2-3, and, and they're a very good 2-3 and three team. Pittsburgh... Salvages the Denver Broncos 27-19. So Ben Roethlisberger has a bounce-back game. He didn't make any mistakes. 15-25 with 253 yards and two touchdowns. And the Pittsburgh Steelers will have a big Sunday night game against the Seattle Seahawks. The Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks as Geno Smith makes his NFL start for the Seahawks. You got Tom Brady throwing five touchdown passes that the Buccaneers pulled away against the Dolphins. 45-17. He did injure his finger in that game. I think he's going to be okay. Had a great game. Antonio Brown is starting to become Tom Brady's favorite target. Still a very elite wide receiver. Seven receptions, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. 
That was a great pickup by the Buccaneers. You have the New Orleans Saints beating the Washington football team 33-22. Jameis Winston had four touchdowns. The Philadelphia Eagles with a comeback victory over the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte as Jalen Hurts runs for two touchdowns. You know, when Carolina was 3-0, I started to think that this was a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. Of course, they upgraded the cornerback position by getting C.J. Henderson and Stephon Gilmore in a trade. But the same old problems hurting Carolina without Christian McCaffrey. Sam Darnold throws three interceptions. And I'm just not 100% sure that this Carolina team is elite. They look like a playoff team. They should have won this game. It's at home against the Eagles, which aren't a good team. When I made my NFL picks last week, I thought this game was a mismatch. And the Eagles proved me wrong. You got the Tennessee Titans. That's really Derrick Henry's carrying this team. And he's also carrying my fantasy team as well. Three touchdowns. He had 29 carries, 130 yards. Ryan Tannehill did just enough. And Trevor Lawrence, he threw for 273 yards, had a touchdown and a pick. But the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to 0-5. And you don't think Urban Meyer is a distraction right now? The Jaguars have lost 20 straight games. This is unheard of. I know a couple of shows ago I talked about whatever happened to... The Jaguars being a play away from going to the Super Bowl with Saxonville back in 2017. They have completely fallen off the map. I really think if they still had Doug Marone as their head coach and Gardner Minshew as their quarterback, I think that the culture would allow them to at least win a couple of games. But this could be a disaster. I don't think Urban Meyer is a good NFL head coach. And plus, with all the distractions he had with the bar incident in Ohio, it's really looking bad for Urban Meyer. And I think he might go back to college, maybe take that LSU job, maybe take the USC job. I don't know, man. Is there a winnable game for the Jaguars on their schedule? Their next game is against the Dolphins. Then they take on the Seahawks. The Falcons, maybe? I'm not sure. The Titans again. They take on maybe the Texans and the Jets. They got three winnable games on this. They could go three and... 14, but this is starting to become a disaster. The New England Patriots, I don't know how they did it, but they were able to beat the Houston Texans 25 to 22. And surprisingly, Davis Mills, who's a rookie quarterback, had a very good game 21 to 29, 312 yards, and three touchdowns. But they just could not close the deal. They had a decent lead on the Patriots, they led the game 15 to 6, and the Patriots were able to come back after Houston had a missed field goal. Really, you do not want to beat yourself when you're taking on Bill Belichick. Yes, it would be a disaster if Coach Belichick dropped to 1-4. and This was a winnable game for Houston, and the Patriots were able to get it done. The next game, I kind of feel that there was no game plan for the Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden, just in the trouble from comments he made 10 years ago, was a distraction. And the Las Vegas Raiders did not show up for this game. Chicago wins 20-9. to Justin Fields actually did pretty good. 20-20, 12-20 for 111 yards and a touchdown. He didn't make the big mistake. He throws his first career NFL touchdown pass. And the Las Vegas Raiders that started the season 3-0 are now 3-2. And I'm starting to think this is not a playoff team. The game of the day, and this game was going back and forth, a thousand yards combined between these two teams. The Los Angeles Chargers beat the Cleveland Browns 47-42. to Oh, it was exciting. Baker Mayfield was going toe-to-toe with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a great quarterback. Can we start 
looking at Justin Herbert as a possible elite top five quarterback that could get the Chargers to the Super Bowl this year. The Chargers look good. They're four and one. Their only loss was to the Dallas Cowboys. But Cleveland is also a good football team. Their two losses were to the Chargers and to the Chiefs, and they had an opportunity to win both games. Cleveland is very good. It just came down to a final play where the Chargers were able to match Cleveland score for score. They missed the extra point, and the defense stepped up and got Cleveland to get a three and out. So they had the ball back, and the Chargers were able to go down and score the touchdown. So those afternoon games when I was watching on the NFL Red Zone, they were compelling. You had the Giants losing to the Cowboys 44-20. to Can we start talking about the Cowboys as a possible Super Bowl contender? They look great. They'll take on the Patriots next week. That will be the CBS game of the week. And then you have the 49ers. Losing to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Trey Lance was making his first NFL start. He had an okay game. He made some mistakes, but he went 15 for 29, 192 yards and an interception. The 49ers just shot themselves in the foot. They went one for five on fourth down, going for it four times on fourth down and not converting. They had opportunities in this game. I thought the defense played well against an Arizona Cardinals team that put up more than 30 points in each of their contests. They were going into this game as the hottest team in the National Football League after beating the Rams in L.A. 37-20 last week. So the 49ers defense stepped up. And how big has Nick Bosa been for the Niners this year? They're 2-3. and three. No time to panic for the Niners. They have winnable games. They will have the bye. They will take on the Colts Sunday night on the 24th of October. I'm not sure if Trey Lance is ready to be a starting quarterback. If Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, he gives you the best chance to win. There were some exciting plays that Trey Lance made in the pocket, some scrambles, but he does not need to be your leading rusher. He led the team in rushing with 16 carries for 89 yards, but you have Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon for a reason. Mitchell's averaging almost five yards a carry. Give him the ball. He was only he only had nine carries in the game, and Trey Sermon only had one carry. Where is the creative play calling schemes from Kyle Shanahan that made this 49ers run game so effective? I know that they're going to miss George Kittle. He's going to be out for two more games. But the 49ers, I feel, are still a borderline playoff team. They can still get into the playoffs. They just need to win their winnable games. And the division got a lot easier, too, because Russell Wilson's going to be out four to eight weeks with that fractured finger. The Sunday night game, and it was late because there was an hour rain delay, but Buffalo got the victory over the Kansas City Chiefs 38-20. to They looked great. And any time they had the big lead and Patrick Mahomes was leading the Chiefs down the field, Buffalo was able to get a fumble, an interception, and they rode the ship. There is seriously something wrong with the Chiefs' defense, and they are 2-3. and three. They are in trouble of possibly missing out on the playoffs. Their next two games are road games. They're winnable games, but they still got to play the Packers. They got to play the Chargers again. They got to play the Cowboys. They could sneak into the playoffs, but you could say goodbye to the home field advantage for the Kansas City Chiefs as Patrick Mahomes is struggling in a Super Bowl hangover year after they reached the Super Bowl two straight years, losing to the Buccaneers last year. I'm wondering if their team is starting to fall off. 
It was a great night of football. It was a great weekend of football, including high school football. Central, oh my, Central looks great. After beating Prattville, they lock up Region 5 for 7A, and they look like one of the favorites to win the state title. I was very impressed with all the teams out there, including Troop County. I love the fact that I could do the high school football show on Friday, and you got to stay tuned for that because it's it's great, especially here in the Chattahoochee Valley. You don't want to miss it. I actually cover all the high school football games. Now moving on to baseball because we have a quadruple header once again today, starting with the Braves taking on the Brewers at Truett's Park. The Atlanta Braves were able to split the se- the Atlanta Braves were able to split the series up in Milwaukee 1-1 thanks to a solid pitching performance by Max Fried in game 2, 3 to nothing. Charlie Morton pitched very well as well in game one, but Rowdy Telez with a two-run homer, and the Braves could not salvage any runs, and they lost game one. But they did what they had to do. They won home field advantage back to Atlanta with the series tied 1-1. Ian Anderson will take the mound for the Braves, and Freddie Peralta will take the mound for the Brewers in game three. This game is going to be at 1 o'clock, so it's going to be in a couple hours. Because we do have a quadruple header today. The White Sox were able to salvage off elimination last night by beating the Astros in Chicago 12-6. And Game 4 will be today at 3.30. You have the Tampa Bay Rays that are down 2-1 to to the Boston Red Sox. After losing in extra innings 6-4 to in 13 innings, there was a controversial ground rule double that cost the Rays a run. And the Red Sox were able to get the victory over the best team in the American League that had 100 wins. If Boston can clinch this, this would be very huge for the Boston Red Sox. And then the nightcap, the San Francisco Giants taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. Alex Wood will take the mound for the Giants, and Max Scherzer will take the mound for the Dodgers. My thoughts on this game, on Saturday, the Dodgers were able to even the series after... Game one, Logan Webb with a heroic performance for the Giants. The Giants won game one four to nothing. And game two is a different story. The Dodgers have the highest run differential for a reason. Kevin Gosman didn't have his best stuff. The bullpen was shaky, and the Dodgers were able to pound the Giants 9-2. I don't think it's going to flip the momentum back to the Dodgers. I still think the Giants are a great team. How clutch is Julio Urias as he gets the victory he, that's his seventh postseason win for the young starter, which this is really his full season. The only 20-game winner in baseball, and he's able to get the job done by picking up the victory for the Dodgers. So this is a very crucial game. I feel if the Giants can split in L.A., that Game 5 sets up for Logan Webb to just get the victory and move on to the NLCS. But if they lose Game 3... Are they willing to pitch Logan Webb on three days rest? I'd like to see that. Baseball is just fun. I'm excited. It really takes a back seat to football. And I caught myself watching the Alabama-Texas A&M game on the TV late Saturday night. And I was watching the Giants and Dodgers on my tablet. And that's usually what happens when you got baseball playoffs. You still take note. I know if you're a Georgia and Atlanta Brave fan... That had to have been tough. I know there were a lot of Georgia fans that were hoping that they could put away Auburn so they could turn it so they could turn over to the Braves. But I was listening to the game on the radio because I was driving and I was going back and forth between both games. 
that's how you do it if you are an Atlanta sports fan. All right, as I try to close this show, there are some sporting events I want to talk about. We have NBA preseason going on. The Lakers look terrible. 0-4 in the preseason. The Hawks get a victory over the Memphis Grizzlies. Sharif Cooper looks great as a backup point guard. He looks NBA ready already. And is John Collins going to have a breakout season for the Hawks? I think that John Collins is ready to be the next superstar with Trey Young. You got the NHL regular season kicks off this Tuesday as the Pittsburgh Penguins will take on the two-time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Can the Lightning win three straight Stanley Cups? And then you have the debut of the Seattle Kraken. I'm looking forward to seeing the Kraken play hockey this year. They'll take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Can the Kraken have the success that the Golden Knights had in their inaugural season when they reached the Stanley Cup final. You have the two youngest NHL franchises going head-to-head. That's going to be a rivalry for years to come. And I know I'm talking a little bit about the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight. It was great. Fury won in 11 rounds. Technical knockout. I'm a little bit of a boxing fan. I'm just glad to see that boxing on the heavyweight side is back because we were talking about Floyd Mayweather for a decade. And then I'm very, very disappointed with the United States losing to Panama 1-0 in World Cup qualifying. This is very disappointing. I know they're still leading the table. They're tied with Mexico right now, which is good. And then they will take on Costa Rica on Wednesday. This is a must-win game. The United States has to qualify for the World Cup because this is a very disappointing year if they don't. Remember, only three teams in CONCACAF will make it to the World Cup. Now, there is a fourth-place team that will qualify for the Intercontinental Playoff with a shot at making it to the World Cup. A lot of sports to talk about. That is all the time I have on the show. I want to thank all my listeners that downloaded and subscribed to my podcast. Don't forget, I am back to five days a week. We'll have a great show tomorrow as I will recap the Monday night football game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Indianapolis Colts. And I will also talk about the baseball playoffs as we have a great quadruple header. Looking forward to it. See you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.